Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. David Braithwaite is a face and voice you may well be familiar with. His extensive background in the world of finance and business has made him the perfect go-to financial guru as commentator for the BBC, both on television and his own BBC radio show. In addition to his vast media presence, he also owns several of his own financial businesses and is an associate coach for Strategic Coach, where his own personal entrepreneurial experience is passed on to his clients who are also looking to achieve the same success in their own ventures. As if all of this wasn't enough, David is also an international speaker where he addresses audiences of up to 14,000 people with his personal stories of how he got to where he is today, helping to guide and inspire them to believe they too can also achieve their life goals. This is going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, I think I've spoken to 15,000, so I'll... I'll, I'll um, one up me. I'm one up you, yeah. <laughs> Everyone hates a topper, don't they? <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you what's really fascinating about this conversation today. We have known each other for a long time, but we kind of didn't know each other, did we? Until no. we found ourselves in Sydney last year and we ended up, because we didn't frankly have anything better to do. So we sat there and kind of got to know each other over dinner. That- we did, yeah. So we actually met on the plane because we didn't know that we were each going to be there, but we're on the same flight out to Sydney to go and speak at a, a, a conference over there. Um, but yeah, I've been aware of you for probably the most part of my career in financial services, actually. So I go back well over 25 years now. And I remember seeing you speak all those years ago. And there's certain people when you go along to a lot of conferences and presentations, as we all do in the the world that we're in, and there are certain people that you just get. You go, yeah, he's like me, or I can relate to that speaker. And you're one of those people. And I'm not just blowing smoke because you're in front of me now, but I bought your book. And that has helped shape where I am now, along with all the other influences of people that you meet and you see on the circuits that you have. But it's about being curious and listening to people and taking what you can from those and moving your business forward and learning from it. But yeah, so we we go back a long way. I've I've been following you probably more than you've been following me. Oh, no, I disagree. I've known you for for ages, David. And uh, interestingly, the book, the good news about that, and thank you for purchasing it, is... um, your, your kitchen table is no longer wobbly and there's no cold draft blowing under the back door. Well, I, I would give yourself more credit than that. I actually have two copies because I gave one away once. I had to buy another one. Um, but it is, it's called Dare to be Different. And it's about how I think we can be interesting financial planners. There's no need to be in that stereotypical mould of just doing what everybody does. You have a chance to shine. It's running your own business. And that's why people should be setting up an entrepreneurial business of their own so they can go and shine and do it their way. This is your chance to do it. This is why we set up in the first place, isn't it? I so love the fact, I mean, this is, for those who are listening, you will all know by now that these are not scripted, that we just kind of turn up and we just start talking about stuff. Um, and you have already turned the tables as as a typical, brilliant uh, BBC radio celebrity. You've turned the tables. Now you're interviewing me. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. So let's Sorry, get back to the job now. in hand, which is me interviewing you. But um, but thank you. I appreciate all of that. Now, 
I have been following you with, with some considerable interest. And when I started doing the deep dive research into you, I was absolutely fascinated because even though we have gotten to know each other quite well, there's some there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. So let's start, if we may, with your background, particularly in financial financial sector, because you spend a lot of time helping other people to grow and develop their businesses mm. to achieve. I think you, we say in your introduction to get to um, you know where you've got share those experiences. So a little bit of background about David Braithwaite for those who don't know, and then kind of fast forward to where you are today and what you're doing. Okay, well, I was at school, but I wasn't very good at it, if I'm being honest. I didn't come through university, have loads of qualifications. I left with five O-levels and a lot of learning experience from other people that I'd met. I was the guy at school. Uh, my mother used to work for a big school locally to us that had a, his own sports shop. And they were selling uh, all these sort of cricket bats and things. And they had these stack of posters behind the counter. And I said to the guy there once, so what do you do with all those posters? He said, well, nothing. We'd throw them in the bin. I said, can I have them? I went to school and I sold them for five pence a poster. And that kind of got me thinking, oh, you can make money if you offer something of value to people. My grandfather was also very similar in that ilk. He had the idea where he was working when he was retired. He used to do car deliveries for a local car dealership. So he would go and pick up a car from somebody who was being serviced, deliver it back. But on the South Coast, lots of people around there, generally an older population in a lot of cases, he was getting these part exchange cars coming in with very low mileage on them. He said, I've got an idea. You know how to sort of wash and polish a car. If I get hold of a car for you and you do it up and then you sell it for a profit, would you like to do that? So I was like, yep. But it was a business transaction. He would buy the car, he'd deliver it to me, I'd polish it up, sell it, and we'd sit down and say, right, I've spent 50 pounds on doing it up, whatever it would be, and I've sold it for this much profit. He would then literally split that profit down the middle, take half for himself and give half to me. So it teaches you these little lessons along the line. And then I sort of fell into a state agency and I quite enjoyed doing and seeing and meeting people and making an influence on their lives from that point of view, because your home is a really important thing. So I love doing that. Sadly, that career ended, not by me, but the company disappeared. So I was left thinking, what can I do? And I needed a car because I just bought a house. Uh, I had a company car with the estate agency job, and it wasn't there anymore. So I found a job where I could have a company car to get me to interviews to where I really wanted to go and work. And I found myself working for a large bank and I blagged my way largely into running that branch for them. And it was great fun. But for the fact that there was another competitive branch across the road, literally across the road, you could see the posters in the window. So people would come in and see me about a, a mortgage or about savings or the investments. And I'd advise them and they'd come to see me again thinking, well, you've been really helpful. But I knew if they just went over the road, they've got a better deal in the window because they have, I can see it, and yet people are using me. So I got frustrated by not being able to give people the right advice. And the way I give advice is, if I was you in my shoes, this is what I would do, knowing what I know. And it doesn't get much more simple than that, but I couldn't do that within the bank that I was. So I decided to go and become a financial advisor uh, back in 1994, work with somebody, and then decide to branch off on my own from there when some of the things that was going on in the other firm wasn't quite where I wanted to go in terms of direction. And that's it. And I get a massive thrill out of meeting new people and making a positive impact on their lives. But above all, having them feel that they're better off from having met me. And it could be financially, but also maybe emotionally, because in the job that we do, people tend to open up and, and talk about a lot of things with us that they maybe wouldn't do with other people. 
So we're very, very privileged in that point as well that we're invited into people's lives to try and help them and make a difference. And the relationships that you get from that is just phenomenal. And loads of people have ended up really close friends from from that line of work that I do. And I will still keep in touch with them, even if it wasn't doing the job. But it's lovely seeing you making a positive impact on you and the team of people that I've got helping people like that. So it's really, really good fun. I love the fact that you've been in car sales, <laughs> yeah. estate agency and yeah. financial advice. I mean, in terms of stereotypes, could not be a worse CV, could it? No. And, and interestingly, I've done exactly the same three things at various points. So that's something I knew I learned about you today. Um, how do you deal, therefore, with the paradigm, that belief system that has no, no, not necessarily any basis for reality? So the way people perceive, for example, a financial advisor or an estate agent or a car salesman or doer-upper, how do, you, how do you deal with, you've mentioned relationships. Is that an mm. important part of what you do? Why is it that people come to you, David, and not to other people? Why is it they kind of overcome that stereotype and build that relationship with you, would you say? One of my biggest strengths is empathy. And I think that's the biggest skill that you can have. And the relationships that you create with these people is immense. So I, I find it, so I'd say it's a kind of game, but I know when I go and see people that are strangers, new people to me, and you sit down with them in an office or in their house or whatever, and they're a little bit reserved because they don't really know. And you have to build that trust really, really quickly with them. But I know by talking to them and just having the conversations of being interested in them, it's not my agenda, it's their agenda, and finding out where they want to get to, I reach a point during that conversation where I just know we've clicked. I absolutely know I could just do anything. And you feel almost like a motivational speaker. You leave the office or you leave their house and you know that there's a buzz that you've created and an excitement about something that they were originally probably very nervous about talking to somebody about. So from that point of view, that challenge to me is brilliant. I love it if people ring up and they're a bit of a hard time because you've got a chance to... I'm going to win these people around. I'm going to show them what we're not like the stereotypical financial advisor that's there to rip people off or the car dealer or the estate agency type. It's up to you to, to create that relationship with those people as quickly as you can, but also not only say that you're going to do it, follow it through. And in the act of dealing with those people on that ongoing relationship is prove to them that they can trust you. It's doing all the things like turning up on time, completing jobs that you said that you're going to do, and caring and looking after them and doing things they don't necessarily expect you to do as well, just going the extra mile, people just get it. I don't think it's a difficult business, whether I'm financial services or whatever business people are in. It shouldn't be difficult if you're doing something you're passionate about, but it's about making sure you follow some very basic rules and just do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And how would you want to be treated? You know, And in this world where lots of things are all going electronic and you, know, you dread ringing utility suppliers, we can be a face of people, and dare I say it, it's an old-fashioned approach where we sit down and talk to people. People crave that. They want that communication. They want that relationship. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, they say envy is a sin. Uh, I am deeply envious of the fact that you have your own radio show because it's something I've always aspired to. I've read the papers on BBC Radio Bristol, and I've done a few bits and pieces, but I've never been trusted enough by the BBC to do what you do. So um, what have you learned along the way that's made you such a valuable asset to the BBC and your own show? Because you kind of work your own desk and everything. Yeah. Um, it's such a clever boy. Well, it's it's fun to do. It, it really is good. And, and how that started, and this is for anybody that's listening, is sometimes you've got to get the bull by the horns and see an opportunity and seize it, even if you don't know how it's going to play out, but you instinctively know. 
So how this came around was that I used to listen to uh, an advisor on our local radio station, and I used to enjoy his program because I used to think, oh, that's a really interesting way of putting that. And because it's all verbal, he has to try and paint pictures in people's minds. So I used to like the guy. Sadly, he died, and they announced the radio, there's no show with him today because, unfortunately, he's passed away. And I remember exactly where I was. I rang the radio station up. I said, I can do that. And that was how it all started. I just had a gut feel I could do it, and I wanted to do it. And they had me in for a bit of a trial, and that was about 20 years ago. So I'm now the voice of BBC Radio Kent, as it happens, but I've done other, loads of stuff, TV, Radio 5, BBC Radio 2, with Chris, all sorts of things, but all because I had that gut feel and just that brave that I'm going to do that. So how it's sort of gone from there is to being able to do the shows, but I think be a great guest when you turn up. Don't be troubled. Don't be a prima donna. Be a decent person. Say thank you to the people that are behind the scenes. Yes, you're going to go on the radio or the television, but the show isn't about you. The show is about the show. You're just a guest on it. You are lucky to be there. I've now got, it sounds silly, I have my own BBC pass now to get into the building. Each time I walk in there, and I've done this hundreds of times, I still think, wow, how lucky and privileged am I that I'm trusted to be in here to do this? And I, that's never gone away. I, I have that sense of wonderment, like opening a present for the first time every time. And I just think it's magic. Even sitting here now, talking to you on a microphone, how cool is this? It's great to do. And we're very lucky and privileged to be asked to get to do that. Mm. So, so what I've heard so far, just to kind of take a step back and make sure that we uh, go on this journey all together. I've heard empathy being a very important part of what you do. I've heard action, you know, the ability to take an idea or a belief in yourself and then just make it happen, which obviously a lot of people trip up on. And those good old fashioned beliefs and principles that mm. have obviously stood you in, in great stead. So what I'm hearing so far, lots of lovely success stories. What mistakes have you made along the way and how have you dealt with those? Mistakes, crikey. I think you all have to, to, to learn. Everyone says, oh, you must learn from your mistakes. Um, one mistake that I've made, we were talking still about the, the radio, was uh, I was doing some TV once and I relied on other people to get me one day to the studio. And I thought, oh, they're sending a car for me. This is very nice. I'll take this. But before I've just driven myself there, they sent a car and I was absolutely late. And I ran in through a back door into the studio where the person was already introducing me. And I'm sitting there wiping the sweat off and trying not to pant. Now, if I'd have been in control of that, and I, I would have done that better. It's about the planning and thinking, you know, it's not about you. It's nice to send in your car, but actually, you know, do what, what's the right thing to you to do? What do you want to do to make sure that you're in control and calm about all of this? Um, and some mistakes, well, I think that we all make is you try and prejudge people. You look at them in a certain way or, you know, you have a conversation with somebody, especially when we're meeting people that we don't know for the first time and we're judging them really, really quickly. Everybody has a story. Everybody has reasons that's made them who they are and why they are. Find out what that is and get them to talk about themselves. And then you find out what really counts to them. But the mistakes are, is prejudging a lot of people and thinking you're that type of person or you're like this. Mm -hmm. And then we have our own preconceived ideas that then clouds the conversation and ultimately the relationship that we have with people. Yeah. I'm also interested to know about strategic coach. It's something I've experienced in the past. I know you are a great advocate of it. And now you actually do a lot of the coaching as part of that. Tell us what it is, first of all, because many people won't know. And what, what benefits does it bring to those who, who sign up to its program? It's not a commercial plug, by the way, okay. but I just want, I'm just interested to know what you're learning from 
your association with strategic. Well, if I give you a story about why I why I became a part of it in the first place was that I set up the business and it can be quite lonely sometimes being an entrepreneur, running your own company, doing whatever you do. And you set up in, in business because you think, right, I want to have the freedom over time. Uh, I can earn more money. Uh, I can deal with the people I want to do and I can do exactly how I want to do it. And what can happen very quickly if you're not careful is that actually the business can then start eating and owning you. You find out you're working seven days a week, you're getting emails, you're dealing with phone calls from clients, and you're running on a treadmill. And I was just about to have my first child at the time, and I was working all these different hours, and I just thought something's got to change. And strategic coach I'd heard about many years ago, and I thought I'm going to have a look at this again. And what they what they were saying was that actually you can you can earn more, still be more productive but also conserve your free time, have more free time, and multiply your income, multiply your free time. I'm thinking, well, this has got to be good. So I joined the program um, over 10 years ago now, and I thought, I'm going to give it a year. I was going to give it a year because I'd looked at it several times. I'll give it a year, and what's the worst that can happen? I've wasted a year's worth of money. And then 10, 11 years' time, I'm still going every quarter. and I now go to Toronto, and I see Dan Sullivan, who coaches me now, but what it's given me is a room full of people that know exactly how you're feeling, are in the same boat as you, all trying to strive to be more and more successful, just want some lessons as to how to do it. It's for me, this is what you should have known before you set up in business, but you've got a little bit of unraveling to do. It gives you the, the environment where other people in the room are also successful people. So you can rub shoulders with other people that have got massively diverse businesses, not just financial services. It's great to see people in there that are branding people, pet shop suppliers. Um, there's all sorts of different people, surgeons in there, all of whom can look at the business problems and issues that you're having day to day with a different set of eyes, but also go back and review this every quarter. And until that point, I was never actually working on my business, as they say. I was always just getting by and just struggling to cope. But this gives you a moment to breathe, sit, think, plan, strategize where you want to go, and ultimately then not make you answerable, but then you're going to come back next quarter. How have we got on? It gives you some progress and a track to run on and the tools with which to do it as well. So you're not just left on your own. It's like, think about this this time. It's taxing. It's a day where you're sitting there and you're working through things, but then you come away with actionable points to see you through the next quarter, one year, three years in your lifetime. And it's it's propelled my business, certainly in a way that I would have never envisaged. It's challenged me and encouraged me to think bigger and be have that kind of confidence that you can grow. But this is how you can do it. So without that, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. And the coaching came around as a byproduct, a complete surprise to me. They, they rung me and said, would you like to be a coach? And I thought they'd rung the wrong person. <laughs> I was like, really? Me? Um, so gone through this process to actually do that. And uh, yeah, so I'm now an associate coach with Treated Coach because I want other people to experience what I have and enjoy having their own business and running their own companies and find, if you like, their mojo, the reason why they did it in the first place. Let's get back to that and let's grow that and let's have some fun together. You know, let's all be in the same room where it's all safe and we can all have some fun, but let's accelerate our businesses in a way that we probably couldn't have imagined. And is that what's led to speaking? Because, I mean, that takes you all over the world now, doesn't it? Uh, do mm. you, you clearly enjoy giving back to yeah. society, your colleagues. Um, yeah, so but the, the speaking thing came around because I was asked to, I'm a member of uh, something called the Million Dollar Roundtable, which is a global association of financial planners. And I was approached, they had a, a day in the UK with the conference going on. And they said, oh, we'd, we'd like you to speak there because you were a member, you've lapsed and you've come back to the membership again. We'd like to hear your stories to why you've come back. And 
I had a moment that I could say no to this because I'd never spoken in public before and it was 350 people in London and a lot of people I know. So I said yes. So that was how I did And I just went, yeah, okay. And then worked out what I was going to do, how I was going to do it. So I went and got myself public speaking lessons, found somebody that written a book, um, had some one-on-one time with her to know how to do it and the craft and, and what you do. And, and the, So you don't know what you don't know, do you? So get taught by somebody. Um, and then from there, I went from that one. And it's the more you speak, the more you get asked to speak. Um, and it's taken me to some amazing places, met some amazing people. But it's it's when you've presented, the biggest kick I get out of it isn't the fact that, hey, look at me, I'm in front of 14. It's the person that comes up to you several years later and taps you on the shoulder and says, I've been trying to find you. I just want to say, I heard you speak at the da-da-da, and this is what I did as a result, and I just want to thank you because this has now happened because of that. That is why I do it. And I love that side of things where you think, crikey, I've made a difference to somebody in a positive way. Mm. And I didn't go out to, of course, you're hoping you make a difference, but it's lovely when you get that validation from somebody that you actually have. It's a big sense of pride. Um, And also from that person that's, that's been there and gone and done it, you think, I'm glad I made a difference in that person's life. It's different now because of something that I said. How cool is that? It is. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I have the same experience. Um, what I'm what I'm hearing, and I love, I've kind of created a bit of a strap line for you, a bit of a mantra. Uh, you are the classic leap before you look guy, aren't you? Yeah. You, you don't analyse anything. You just kind of, I'll, I'll ring the BBC. Yeah. He's died, as sad as that is. There's an opportunity for me now. Uh, strategic, you know, public speaking, don't know how to do it. Uh, really fear it, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah. But it's also about a lot of the people that I hang around with as well. So people like, like oh, no, you, and there's loads of countless other people. That was kind of what they were doing, and I saw them as successful. So I also thought, I should do that too. I need to do the things that I'm not doing and do the more of the things that they're doing. And that's a path to success as well, isn't it? Because you need to learn from them. But there's no point in just looking going, oh, that's a great idea and doing nothing. It's, it's the action is the key. And the best things in life are on the other side of fear. Mm. I really believe that. You have to do things that challenge you in some way to learn, to grow, and then to come out the other side. I use um, a skydiving video uh, in one of the presentations that I was doing recently. And I showed the film of me going out the plane. And I explained to them, I did it while I was speaking at a conference, ironically, I did the skydive the day after. But it's that whole moment of, you're just about to go out the plane, you're really scared to do something. You know it'd probably be all right, because no one's going to die probably you're not going to walk on stage in front of thousands of people and die so it's that moment and once you step out the plane which by the way they lie to you they say we're going to go out on three one and they don't they throw you out on one so those people grab on at three so you go out and you're going down the plane and it's the most incredible experience and then you land on the floor and you think how good was that i've challenged myself i've done it how that sense that euphoria that you get which I think seemingly later on in life as well, because you're not doing things where you get that sense of achievement quite so often, but to do things and push yourself and to learn and to challenge you. And when opportunities come up, say yes, rather than say no, you're going to grow. And the journeys, the adventures that you can go on is, is it will take you all sorts of places, literally around the world if you wanted it to. So David, I, I thank you for that. I, I, I do know that in your childhood, you were ill, there was a particular challenge that you had to overcome. So just if you don't mind sharing, would you tell us a little bit about that and and what happened? I suffered with really bad asthma as a child. 
Uh, I was always the one that was last picked for the football teams, you know, because I couldn't run. Far. I can't believe that. Look, look at you. <laughs> I know I'm six foot four, of a man. but no, I was always the last one, and I couldn't run around the the, the, the playgrounds and stuff properly because I always had this bad asthma. So there was one time where I had a particularly bad asthma attack, and um, I had to go into hospital. And I was on a what they call a nebulizer, so mm. I was there having oxygen and this sort of um, medicine pumped through, and it got worse to the point. And I think I was about nine, ten years old at the time. And it got worse because I contracted a cough at the same time, which is the last thing you want when you can't breathe, because you to cough, you need to breathe in to cough out. So what happened was that um, I actually split both my lungs open through the coughing that I was doing. So what was happening is every time I was breathing in, air was leaking out of my lungs into my body. But also, I wasn't getting enough air in as it was, let alone that then happening. So I became very, very weak. And there was this point where um, all these doctors and nurses and students were coming up from all around the country to have a look at me and poke me. Because if you touch my skin, I made a noise like Rice Krispies do when you put milk on. So it was all snap, crackle and pop. So it was very strange. I'm so sorry you, to laugh, but... It's no, but it is funny now. But it's, And I was sort of the size of the Michelin man, and so I was blown up literally with wow. my own breathing. So... That happens, but as a consequence of that, I was very, very weak because I couldn't do anything. I was in this room, and there was one time, it was in the middle of the night, and I'd, I was trying to sleep, but I couldn't properly sleep, but I was faced away from the door. And the nurses came in because they were doing a shift change. And they said, oh, uh, uh, yeah, we've got uh, David uh, in here. Um, we need to uh, keep a very close eye on him because we're not sure he's going to make it. And I was awake, but I was facing the other way. So at that particular point, I'm thinking, this, what is going on? Am I going to? So, as a result of that and hearing that conversation, I've always been the sort of person that wants to live life and grab it and take every opportunity that comes your way because you never know. So, I never want to get there and, and be to the point where, okay, I've got 24 hours to live and then think, I wish I'd. Mm. There's not many things that I wish I'd, really. I've done everything. I've tried anything I wanted to do, and I can go out and, above all, with that, have made my parents proud because I was never very good at school. So I've done things that then they think, yeah, he's done well, you know. So life is about success, money, and other. But actually, what is success? I love and the fact you say you've not done very well at school. There's a lot of people listening who say five O level, level sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I think one was in woodwork, um, which is always useful. Um, but it's it's that that sort of lesson, and I remember that vividly um, that moment. And you just think, right, okay, I could have died there. Perspective. So, that's what you had, wasn't it? And at that age mm. as well. So it's made me very determined, and probably why I wasn't necessarily good at school. It was like let's just get this over and done with and get me out there. I want to go out there and start doing something. And my parents, both being teachers as well, was interesting because I wanted to leave school and get a job. You know, I didn't want to go to university. And they were like, whoa, this isn't quite what we thought. Go and get a job and then we'll let you leave school. So I did. Went and got a job, left school. So I did everything correctly by them, but I had this huge desire and passion to want to go out there and, and be like my grandfather was, that entrepreneurial spirit, be like the younger boy at school selling posters that he'd managed to catch off a local sports shop and go out there and prove something. Um, to me, but also, you know, maybe other people. I can do this. You know, I'm alive. I'm happy to be that way. So David Braithwaite's lesson for life is make sure you don't end up in a I'd wish I'd situation. No. So you have clearly a capacity to take on lots of things and uh, you have a very positive outlook and you're an action guy. That's fantastic. And I've got listeners on this uh, Sandro Forte podcast who will say, but I'm I'm so busy. You clearly deal with a lot of stress running multiple businesses. Uh, how do you deal with 
being busy? How do you how do you structure things in a way that allows you to deal with all of the stuff that goes on in your life? Because that's a challenge for a lot of people, right? It is, and we don't always get it right either. So it's it's great that you think that, but sometimes I get it very badly wrong, and I have days where I think, oh my goodness me, what happened there? But I, I learn from it. Um, and part of again, this isn't a verb strategic coach, but part of what strategic coach teaches you is to have clear days. So you have a day where you are just seeing clients doing what you're good at, and you have days where you're just doing the admin. So that the admin, imagine if you're going to go and pitch to a big prospect or a client or a customer, whatever line of business that people are in, and you've just had some really bad news that morning. The way and your mindset is be different with that really important customer than what it would have been. So if you can prevent yourself from being polluted, for want of a better word, with that stuff, and stick to knitting on those, those days where you're focusing. So imagine you know, the day before you're going to go on, go on holiday, how much stuff can you get done in a day like that? You're really productive and you leave going, hey, hey, I've done it. I've cracked it. Mm. What if every day was like that so you knew that you were clear the next day? It's about being more concise and about having proper people around you to help plan and a decent team of people that can manage things like your diary for you if you can't do it. There's so much opportunity out there now with outsourcing and things that things can be done a lot cheaper than they used to. Technology has never been more advanced than it is now and is continuing to do so. So the support and help that people can get, and if they want to look for it, is definitely out there. But you have to actually want to look for it. Being busy isn't always a sign of success, though. You know, being busy is about being active. You could be running around like a headless chicken, but not achieving anything. It's about being productive at the same time. Can I ask you a big question now? So what is success then? Because I've heard lots of things. I've heard now planning, structure, discipline, all those great things. Uh, given all of your experiences to date, what, what is it? What? How do you define success, David? if there is such a thing as it, because we all deal, deal with it in different ways, measure it in different ways. Are you happy? That's a big thing. I think it's all very well sort of climbing up a ladder and you're going up this thing. But actually, if you find out the ladder's on the wrong wall, that's not it. You've got to work out what, what makes you happy. Um, and, and if you're running and running around and you're working all the hours God gives and and you've got the lovely house, the fancy car and everything else, but actually you're fundamentally not happy with that, that's not a good place to be. So I think you've got to work out what makes you happy. And I've, I've got a few things. Just, to, just you, I know this better success podcast. So remember when you were a child, when you're younger, and you just think, you know, my son, when he was eight, everything was possible. If you want to be a spaceman, he could have been. There was nobody saying no. You couldn't do these sort of things. But we're so influenced the older that we get by the people that we meet, the media, what we lit, what we read, what we see, that slowly some of that can be taken away from us. And I think that's sad in a way that we can't still think like an eight-year-old. So we have to be really careful what we consume. So what we see, what we read, the people that we hang around with, definitely do what you can't. Seize opportunities that just feel right. You know, you just think, oh, that's a gut feeling. Like me with the radio, it's like, I can do that. Let's not overthink this, just ring them up and do it. So seize an opportunity and work out the rest later, because often the greatest things are on the other side of fear, which I've said. Um, be your fascinating true self always. Or always just be you. You can't be anything else, so don't pretend to be because people will see through it. I think you've always got to be you. Always be on time. Do the right thing, even when no one's watching as well. Be nice, help others, and just do the basic things. Please, thank you. Like When I turn up on the radio and the people behind the scenes have helped me out, I always make a point, email them. Thank you as much for your help with that. Because without that, they wouldn't. I wouldn't be there. Always be curious to learn more podcasts, books, people that you meet have all got stories that they can tell you to help you and to encourage and make you enthusiastic about where you want to be and gravitate and spend time with those people who, I can only describe this as certain people that when you meet them and you spend time with them, you feel better off from having been in their company. 
I'm not just financially, but you just think, I'm so glad we had that conversation. I feel, you know, there's sort of people that have got that positive, juicy energy that you just think, yeah, spend more time with those and less in the ones that just suck the life out of you. Setbacks in life will often, as well, lead you to opportunity. So when you do get knocked, when things happen, uh, all sorts of things happened to me in the past, they're the things that are springboards that actually can go, you know what, that's happened. But now, because of that, this is what is going to happen. And the last thing is, do more. It's always too easy just to take the easy route and stay where you are. If you want to be successful, you're going to have to change or do something, but do more of whatever it is that you want to do. Whether it's reading books to learn, do more of that. Meeting the right people, do more of that. Go out there and do more. That's a fantastic list to live your life by. And uh, if I can just uh, quid pro quo from earlier, from all the kind things you said, uh, the reason I wanted you to join me on the podcast, David, is because you are one of those people who had a very positive impact on me when I met and we started talking. And it's fascinating that you metaphorically walk past people in the street in life mm. and you kind of think you know them, but you don't really know them. And, and um, I was really, really interested to have you on the, on the show. And, he, and I'm now understanding all the reasons why. So um, thank you for being so open and sharing and, uh, and particularly for giving us so many amazing little nuggets that we can, that we can take away. Now, given that you're such a busy chap, uh, this question might go on for a while, but how do we get hold of you? How do we know about David Braithwaite? So there's the BBC Radio Kent and then there's Strategic Coach. So if we were looking for you, social media or any other means, website, for example, including your financial advisory business, how do we do that? So I've got Twitter, which is at Citrus David, Citrus being the name of the business I've got, Citrus David. Uh, Instagram is Citrus underscore financial. Uh, Facebook, and a lot of it, you know what? Just Google me. If you put David Braithwaite, spelled correctly, into Google, I will just pop up everywhere. Um, and I'm quite happy. I've also got davidbraithwaite.com, which is a website which is to do with speaking. People can link with me through there. But I love linking with people. I like the fact that technology can bring people closer together. So get in touch with me. If you want to have a chat, I'm more than happy to do so. Now, given that you, uh, and thank you, given that you have so much to share, this last question almost seems a little bit uh, irrelevant in many ways, but I think it's the perfect way to end this conversation with you today because what I'd like, if I may, is to ask you to put yourself in a position where young David Braithwaite comes up to you and says, Dad, you've done so well and I followed you and I, I you know, admire everything you've achieved, but I just kind of need one simple mantra or rule to live by of all those amazing things that you shared earlier, what's the one piece of advice you would give to a younger version of yourself stepping out into the big wide world? I think we have to come back to one of the points I made earlier, which is just do more. Be brave. Everything is on the other side of fear. So just go out there and grab the world. You get one life. Go and live it. Have a great life. Try everything. Be true to yourself. Keep on learning and spend time with the right company. You'll go far. Brilliant. I I don't know where 30 minutes has just gone. I, uh, I've flown, just glanced at my watch and thought, my goodness, we've been doing this for 30 minutes. Um, and I wish it could be an hour because, I mean, I haven't even got halfway through my questions that I've prepared in my mind. But maybe we will get the opportunity to uh, to have another chat. And uh, and you've kind of made this little promise that I might end up being a guest of yours on BBC Radio Camp, which is far posher than the Sandro Forte podcast. But nevertheless, I have to say from a personal perspective, and I'm sure on behalf of all those listening, David, I mean, some of the stuff that we've had from you today has been absolutely invaluable. So, you know, sincerely, thank you so much for being so open and for sharing so many amazing uh, things that we can live our lives and, and obviously run our businesses by. No, thank you for having me on. And, I, and I, I love sharing. That's what we should all do more of. 
everyone should talk to each other a lot more and and the world will be a happier place. By the way, have you written a book or done, is there anything in the in the process? Um, there is a book that is there that's half written, which I've got to finish, um, but it's just a case of finding the time for it. And I've contributed to a couple of chapters of other books that are out there, ironically in Australia. Uh, so I do feature in a couple of books over there. Well, as soon as you've got that book written, let us know and we shall publicise and advertise it for you on this podcast. But um, David Braithwaite, thank you so much. I'm going to listen in to a couple of your radio shows and uh, look forward to having you back on this show soon because lots of people will be emailing in saying, get the guy back. We, we want a bit more of this. So thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Genuinely, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Pleasure's been mine. That was the Sandro Forte podcast. Wasn't David Braithwaite inspiring? Inspiring, fantastic, amazing. Let's get him back. Each week, we've got a new guest joining us, as you know, to share their own insights into achieving success or indeed overcoming life challenges. So please make sure you subscribe. Follow us on social media, Sandro's podcast. Same on all channels, don't forget. And if you want to email us, you can do. It's hello at sandrospodcast.com. And please remember two other things, very important. To connect with me, Sandro Forte, it's the real Sandro Forte on Instagram. And please leave those reviews on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future, particularly to get David Braithwaite back. And remember, uh, you get the chance to be automatically entered into a draw if you like the Sandro Forte podcast on social media as well. So until this time next week, goodbye for now. 